0: wonderful people, this is Jason English with Things About Things, Simplifying Concepts Without Sacrificing Depth. This concept is part one of a five-part focus that I'm calling White, Male, Heterosexual, Christian, Pastor, Privilege, with a focus today on White Privilege. It's a polarizing phrase to some. I've spoken about this many times over the years. However, I have not addressed it as forcefully or confidently as I should, and I'm sorry. I have been afforded a relatively easier life because of the color of my skin. It doesn't mean that my skin color is inherently wrong. Not at all. All women and men of all skin colors are made in the image of God. And therefore my skin color is somehow a beautiful reflection of part of the fullness of who God is. So white, the phrase white privilege should never come across as making it seem like there is something inherently wrong with having the skin color that I have. Not at all. But white privilege is something that white people need to recognize. From going into a store and seeing a display of items for hair and skin type to uh, me and my kids being able to turn on the television and seeing people with my skin tone widely represented uh, to not being racially profiled or having some sort of exaggerated or unfair stereotype I've been afforded a relatively easier life. And it, it's not directly my fault. Nor is it a bad thing to have a, some sort of, I don't know what the word is. Uh, like, it's not bad that I have been treated nicely. That's not the essence of it. The bad thing is that someone that's non-white was treated with, in, a way that give them a disadvantage, you see, which leads really to the core of this is that it's a result of systemic racism. It's a result of conscious acts of refusal to separate from historic inequities. And if you're white and listening right now, I want you to hear this. Having white privilege Recognizing that you have white privilege doesn't make you racist. It acknowledges something that exists. It acknowledges something that has maintained somehow, not somehow, but on purpose with a, a system, but it's maintained an existence of enduring racism that's allowed that privilege to exist or more specifically, has allowed a disadvantage of non-white to exist. The word privilege can be the hang-up for some people. I have known white people that have had a hang-up with this. They don't like to hear the phrase white privilege because they have worked hard to get where they are in life, and their their parents worked hard to get where they got in life, and their grandparents worked hard. And I understand that. Generally, the working class Or the poor or the rural white community doesn't like the word privilege because it seems like that word doesn't belong to them because it makes it seem like they never struggled. And I get that. And so if that's you and you're like, but my grandparents worked really hard to get where they are and they didn't have privilege. They worked really hard and they struggled and they they worked through these things. Nobody is questioning that. Nobody is coming against your grandparents and saying that they didn't work hard. That's not really what privilege means. So maybe if that's you and you're defensive and you're like, I've worked hard to get where I am. And I went to school and my parents and they started with nothing and had $10 in their pocket. And nobody's questioning that. We believe you when when you say you worked hard. We believe you when you say your parents worked hard. We believe you when you say that your grandparents worked hard. But that kind of defensiveness actually derails the conversation a bit. It doesn't get to the heart of it all. Which means, unfortunately, that defining and talking about what white privilege is often ends up... You have to define what it's not. White privilege is not a, suggesting, a suggestion that says that white people have never worked hard. There are a lot of white people that have not enjoyed the privileges that come along with being affluent, such as food security. There are many white people that have not had these privileges, have not had these securities, such as access to nearby hospitals, such as food security, those kinds of things, such as high quality education. That's not, that's not the essence of it. So I want to acknowledge that there are white people that do not have food security. There are white people who do not have access to nearby hospitals. They have, there are white people that do not have access to the good quality education. There are hardworking, poor white people, and they should be loved, and they should be honored, and they too are part of the fullness of representing the image of God. It also, white privilege is also not assuming that every single thing that a white person has, they've only gotten in a way that was unearned. Like they didn't work for anything, and it was just given to them. That's not, that's not really what white privilege means, Most white people who have reached some level of of financial success or, or any kind of, you know, amenity in their life, they worked extremely hard to get there. So if that's you and if you're white and you're defensive over this phrase white privilege, it's not an accusation that you're lazy it doesn't mean that you didn't work hard or that your family hasn't worked hard. It doesn't mean that you've handed everything for free. It doesn't mean that you're rich. It doesn't mean that, you're, that everything was just given to you and unearned. It doesn't mean that you have not worked hard to get where you are in life. White privilege is the assumption or should be viewed as some sort of built-in advantage. Or another way of saying it is that there's not a built-in disadvantage systematically based on the history of our culture. There's not a built-in disadvantage that is built into the system of how the system has treated and continues to treat people of color. And probably a better way of saying that would be black people, but really you could apply it to people of color. Or if you're thinking, oh, it's just, it's way more than, than skin tone. Keeping in mind, this is part one of a five-part focus called white, male, heterosexual, Christian, pastor privilege. And so you might be thinking, well, you know, what about female disadvantage? That is real, and I'm talking about that next episode. Right now I'm talking about white privilege. So there's some sort of built-in advantage. There, there are certain experiences that I've had that it is very likely that I would not have had if I wasn't white. And I didn't cause that, but I benefit from that. Therefore, I benefit from something that is wrong. It's not wrong that I am white. But it's wrong that I benefit from something in a way that causes someone else to be at a disadvantage. So I didn't cause it, but I benefit from it. Therefore, I benefit from something that is wrong. Therefore, I should confess and attempt to heal it. I shared this in a teaching for the church I'm a part of, but I hid behind this for a very long time. I'm Jewish by blood. My family came over about 100 years ago or so from Lithuania because of oppression from the Russian Empire, so I had this individual narrative of, well, I didn't do this and my ancestors didn't have slaves and my ancestors didn't do this. We had our own. And that's all true. And, and, you know, the oppression of the Russian empire was horrible and that's maybe a conversation for another day. But fast forward to, you know, by the time I'm born and the world that I grew up in, There was a time where Jewish people, even in this country, were mistreated, for sure, and thought of as less, for sure. And there might even be uh, Jewish people listening right now that would say, oh, I still feel mistreated. And if that's your story, I believe you. But I grew up a generic white guy named Jason that no one even knew was Jewish. I was not mistreated for that. It wasn't even an issue whatsoever. I just grew up... As a generic white guy, it doesn't mean that my parents didn't work hard. My parents worked hard; they both worked hard in their careers. It wasn't handed to them; they wasn't given it, given to them without working for it. But I had friends that of different ethnicities, including African American friends, that began with a disadvantage. And it's not a general disadvantage, it's a disadvantage that has been embedded in and built into our country with a really, really, really broken history. I mean, the the, the disadvantage of knowing that when I hung out with my black friends, their parents when they were kids weren't allowed to use the same bathroom as my parents in the southeast part of the United States. Not allowed to use the same water fountain. In some cases, not allowed to go to the same school. And they didn't make that decision. Black people didn't make that decision. White people made that decision. And so there was a purposeful limitation. A purposeful disadvantage. I didn't cause that. But I benefit from that. Therefore, I benefit from something that's wrong. So instead of hiding behind my own personal story, I want to confess a greater, bigger, corporate, communal narrative and be a part of healing that. To witness the healing of that. I heard someone say that reconciliation comes through uh, repentance and repentance has to include confession and confession needs to include the truth. And you see, there's something about white privilege that I I rarely have ever heard anyone talk about. That's the, the admitting to being afraid to no longer benefit from it. I am afraid. I know it's wrong. I know that I didn't cause it, but that I benefit from it. And I know that what I benefit from is something that is wrong. But when you don't know what's on the other side of something, you can be afraid of it. And so there is a part of me, not my true self, not the spirit of God in me, but this part of me that's afraid to no longer benefit from it. But the part of me that's afraid of that is only afraid because there's a mistaken understanding of what would come after that. See, justice isn't revenge. Justice is when things are as they should be, When things are right, the Hebrew word for justice is also for righteousness. The image associated in in Hebraic uh, uh, language is when the right amount of rain falls on the field. Not too much as to not cause a flood and not too little as to not cause a drought, but the right amount of rain. So I think the reason that there's a part of me that's afraid that I would no longer benefit from it is because I have a mistaken understanding that what would happen next is that I would be at at a disadvantage. But that's actually not justice. That's not righteousness. That's not the right amount of rain. So really, the goal is not for white people to be oppressed. In actuality, the goal is not even for white people to no longer have a beneficial life you, hear, you see that? Maybe that's why you're afraid of losing this white privilege if you're like me and you're like afraid of what would be on the other side of this is because maybe a part of you mistakenly thinks that the goal would be that the white person would be at a disadvantage and not be able to live a beneficial, thriving life. No, the goal is for all people to have the beneficial life. And so if you are part of the people group, or part of one aspect of a people group that has been the oppressor, that has had had the advantage based on oppression, based on false things, based on what is wrong, to admit it and confess it and to want to see healing from it is not to say that you now want to be disadvantaged or that you now want to be oppressed, but that you would say, I want all people to have benefit. I want all people to have a beneficial life. I want all people to have the same rights. I want all people to thrive. And so, if you're listening to this and you have been harmed by white privilege, if you've seen it and you know it's brokenness and white people have mistreated you or the system has mistreated you or neglected you and therefore, based on that broken system, you have been put at a disadvantage, I'm sorry it's not right, it's wrong, it's unfair, it's unjust. It is not the way the world should be. And in that confession to you, I also say, I am afraid of what it means for me to release this unfair thing, but I don't release it in a way... Uh, I don't release it in a way that makes it even seem like I'm better than anything. It's just more of like this broken thing that led to an advantage. When you have some sense of advantage, there's a dying to self that has to come with getting rid of that. Oh, and it feels like it's time, doesn't it? past time. Of course it's past time. It never should have been. There's a musician, well, I guess a band, Sleeping At Last, but Ryan O'Neill is the writer. It's kind of a one-man band. And there's a song called Pluto, and he wrote a song about different planets. You can look this up. So, it's called Pluto, kind of personifying the planet Pluto. So, in light of that, it's really great. But it, I, I like to, as I'm sure many do, like kind of read into other layers of what a song could mean. And I was listening to this and it just kind of occurred to me that it somehow captures the sentiment of what I'm trying to say right now in a way that goes beyond the words that how I could say, you know, how art is. So, it's a song, but you know, also a poem. So I want to read the lyrics of the song Pluto by the band Sleeping At Last. And here it is. Here are the lyrics. I woke up from the same dream, falling backwards, falling backwards, till it turned me inside out. Now I live a waking life of looking backwards, looking backwards, a model citizen of doubt. Until one day I had enough of this exercise of trust. I leaned in and let it hurt and let my body feel the dirt. When I break pattern, I break ground. I rebuild when I break down. I wake up more awake than I've ever been before. Still, I'm pinned under the weight of what I believed would keep me safe. Show me where my armor ends. Show me where my skin begins. Like a final puzzle piece, it all makes perfect sense to me. The heaviness that I hold in my heart belongs to gravity. The heaviness that I hold in my heart has been crushing me. I've been worried all my life, a nervous wreck most of the time. I've always been afraid of heights, of falling backwards, falling backwards. I've been worried all my life, I've been worried, I've been worried, I've been worried all my life, I've been worried, I've been worried I've been worried all my life, falling backwards, falling backwards, falling backwards, falling backwards, falling backwards, falling backwards. One day I had enough of this exercise of trust, I leaned in and let it hurt, let my body feel the dirt. When I break pattern, I break ground, I rebuild when I break down. I wake up more awake than I've ever been before. Still, I'm pinned under the weight of what I believed would keep me safe. Show me where my armor ends. Show me where my skin begins. Like a final puzzle piece, it all makes perfect sense to me. The heaviness that I hold in my heart belongs to gravity. The heaviness in my heart belongs to gravity. And that's the end of the song. Well, in in the context of white privilege, even though I didn't cause it, I certainly have not been part of the healing. Not enough, at least. Acknowledging it publicly, and let me just tell you, there have been times over the past several years where I've been on a stage talking about racial reconciliation, using the phrase white privilege, acknowledging that phrase, and hearing some pushback from people about the use of it There was this... I got to say this. There was this one time... Not going to use any names here, but I think this is a very healthy, important story, honest story to tell that hopefully can help be part of the healing. So I was on the stage doing a racial reconciliation, co-teaching, and I used white privilege. I talked about a story of white privilege. And then I got an email. And the email... Was telling me that they disagree that I shouldn't use that phrase. And wouldn't you know it, it was a white guy that didn't like that I said white privilege. And I said, I'm not, I replied, I'm not. Uh, Promoting any political party. I don't have any political agenda when I say that. I just cannot deny and will not deny that I've been afforded a relatively easier life due to my skin color. I don't think that it's bad to be white. I think it's good. All ethnicities and skin colors are good and beautiful and reflections of God. And so, therefore, I'm not saying that white people are inherently bad. I'm just saying I haven't, that I was afforded a relatively easier life because of my skin color. And uh, and he said, I, I disagree, and I want to meet with you and tell you why that it is wrong that you use that phrase. And this co-teaching that I did is with a, a dear friend of mine. Actually, it's the uh, Reggie Hunt. The previous episode of on things about things, we talked about race. It's, he's my neighbor. He's my friend. He's also a pastor in town. So we did this racial reconciliation teaching together that was the context when I said white privilege. So this guy, the guy emails me. And of course, you know, I'm not using his name. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he said, you know, I disagree with you and I want to meet with you face to face and tell you why you should not use the phrase. And so what what I did was I I called Reggie and said, Hey, this guy, this guy's telling me he wants to meet with me to talk about why I shouldn't say white privilege. Will you, will you come to the meeting? And Reggie said, of course. So I emailed the guy back and I said, you know what? Uh, Meeting face-to-face is healthier than emails back and forth. And if there is something about this phrase that I don't understand and it carries weight to it, that it's unhealthy, that's purposefully divisive, that actually could bring harm to people, I want to hear you out. And so I appreciate you reaching out. And I want to hear you out just so you know how, just so you know, though, Pastor Reggie Hunt will be there at the meeting with us. And then this, the guy that sent me the email never replied to the email and then left the church. Very telling, isn't it? Because here's the thing. If there's something that is wrong about the phrase white privilege. If you're white and you're trying to defend the phrase white privilege or defend the concept of white privilege, you should not be ashamed to say it in front of a black person. Because if you only want to say it to another white person, you're trying to, you're tr- basically you're trying to say, we need to keep this privilege. We need to keep this privilege. We need to keep it. We can't let anybody have that. And that's systemic racism that you're trying to continue to promote, even if you don't realize it. I'm going to get into some Christian stuff in in coming episodes, but I I just want to close with the thought from the perspective of being a person who is attempting to be a follower of Christ. I have been afraid to fall backwards But dying to self in love is one of the essential aspects of living out the gospel of Christ. To be a follower of Christ, right? Is to be like Christ, to die. And so considering others and not just yourselves, considering others and not just myself is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus. That's the very call of Jesus, is it not? I think that's it for this one so thanks for listening to part one of white male heterosexual christian pastor privilege with an emphasis on white privilege so next time i'll talk about male privilege thanks for listening